Commercial Virtual Remote. That's the online collaboration platform the Defense Department used throughout the pandemic. Well, it's shutting down in just a few weeks. But like the other armed services, the Navy realized fairly quickly it doesn't want to do business without the capabilities that CVR provided. So instead of taking years to build a long-term replacement, the Navy did it in just six months. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has more on what the project taught IT leaders about agile development. The Navy calls the project Operation Flank Speed. On June 1st, the service plans to switch over all of its CVR users over to that new environment, all 266,000 of them. And even though it's been undergoing stress tests for the past month, Mike Galbraith, the Navy Department's Chief Digital Innovation Officer, says the cutover may be a bit messy. Things will go bump in the night. We've never done this. You know, it's a, it's a huge, complex endeavor, and I think the juice is worth the squeeze. So at the end of the at the end of this, we will be very happy that we went through all these efforts. But there's not much choice at this point. CVR, the lightning quick implementation of Microsoft Teams, DoD launched at the beginning of the pandemic, was always meant to be a temporary solution. Its life has already been extended several times, and adding another six-month extension would have cost $100 million. Susan Breyer Joyner, the Navy Department's deputy CIO, says the services collectively realized that wasn't going to happen toward the end of last year. So the focus, for starters, is replicating the collaboration services everyone came to rely on under CVR. Is that shy of the full Office 365 functionality? Absolutely. Are there reasons that we made that decision? Absolutely. Today, CVR is operating on a waiver that allows us to protect to process low-impact controlled unclassified information in a lower security environment. This new environment that we're going to, Flank Speed, will not have that waiver. And we're taking a very deliberate approach to make sure that we are properly protecting what is called the um, CUI specified. So think NNPI, law enforcement sensitive, Initially, some of the high-impact PII and PHI, those will not be available to, or not approved to process in the flank speed environment initially. Again, we're looking for CVR replacement capabilities, including the data level. But those CVR replacement capabilities are just the beginning. The Navy plans to use the first phase of flank speed as a building block to implement the rest of the Microsoft 365 suite fairly quickly and for almost the entirety of its workforce. Between now and September, officials plan to migrate the email and SharePoint services the Navy currently hosts in its own data centers to the new cloud environment. The roadmap also calls for flank speed to implement the rest of the Microsoft 365 apps in September. At that point, the Navy will bring another 206,000 users on board, many of whom have already been piloting a full suite of 365 services. But Briar Joyner says those dates are somewhat tentative. Since all of those new services will be hosted in off-premises cloud environments, the Navy needs to make sure it has sufficient network infrastructure for its users to reach the public internet. That wasn't an issue when a majority of its users were working from home. If we could be assured that the telework posture would remain about what it is today, which is 40 to 60 percent of the workforce is teleworking every day, we could absolutely give everybody access tomorrow. But we don't know that and we can't guarantee that. We have to plan for the worst case scenario, which is that everybody is going to have to come back to work. There are a lot of working groups that are going on at the SECNAV level to determine the level of telework that the 
Navy Department of Navy will be prepared to support in the future, but that work has not been completed. And I've seen figures ranging from 20% to 40%. All of these are factors that have to be taken into account. And in lieu of an answer, I have to make a planning assumption. And my planning assumption arguably is conservative. We've had that discussion. But at the end of the day, we want to provide a usable service. Once flank speed is fully implemented, it should be a dramatically different experience from the one Navy users are accustomed to. For example, shared drives will become a thing of the past because they're allowed up to a terabyte of cloud storage space, depending on their roles and needs. Maximum email box sizes will balloon to 100 gigabytes. A web browser and a common access card will be all they'll need to get access to the full suite of tools, and flank speed will add mobile device capabilities as soon as July. Barry Tanner, the acting executive director for the Navy's Program Executive Office for Digital and Enterprise Services, says the Navy had already planned to implement those capabilities. But as of last November, the planned timeline to onboard new users to flank speed was 24 months. PEO Digital realized the only way to beat the clock on CVR's sunset would be to adopt a genuine agile development methodology. Just to get a go-live date on the calendar when we were starting this whole process without looking at it from an agile perspective, the risks of trying to get it done in less than 18 months were huge. So the first thing we had to do was break it down into what exactly are we delivering? What exactly do we need to make sure we can do? And then take our teams and set them loose on it. And what we've learned throughout the process is that if you demonstrate what works and what doesn't, if you test frequently and if you identify early the barriers to success, you can knock them down faster and you can accelerate. This has to be part of our DNA. We have to ensure that our teams are enabled to do good things and that we get out of the way and remove the barriers in front of them. Flank Speed taught us that we can achieve significant results in short period of time and learn a lot while we do it. But it's also told us that we have to be careful about how we adjust our own organization. It's a big shift in culture to do things this way. And we've taken those lessons learned and incorporated that into our restructuring plan. Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, You think about a pandemic, for example, 
that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is sort to lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy, that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented a terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a rural school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black. Literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream, which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there have been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, the, the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. 
that's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life, and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values, but the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision, uh, despite the challenges, is seeing a forest despite the trees, is seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that that attribute, I think, is one that that I embody. I mean, I, I I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic! And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give? to feds looking to develop leadership skills. And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce. And I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Jane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but, 
But we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.